For today's Advent scripture reading, we will read from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. In our Pew Bibles, this is page 807. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning continue our uh, Advent series, uh, taking a look at angels. Uh, There are a couple of things that we do with angels that we do with quite a few things, actually. Um, We we tend to swing in extremes. And one extreme is that we just completely ignore them, uh, which is nothing new because we, we read of people who did this even in the Bible. And these people are known as Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural, so, so they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And this is actually me when it, when it comes to lines. You know, uh, there, there's no angel for me, and I completely neglect, ignore angels when it comes to a line. Because if you're shopping with me at a grocery store, waiting for gas, uh, amusement tickets, amusement park tickets, toll booth, whatever it is, I always end up in the longest line. And so there's never an angel for me. I have a demon for lines. Or you tend to swing to the other extreme, and, and you think that everything involves an angel, and everything is supernatural. Uh, and this is also me when it comes to parking. Um, I don't know what it is, but I, I do have a parking angel. Um, and I, I have a daughter here that can attest to this. I don't know why that is. I, I just have this. So if you want to find parking, just ride with me. I, I, and the parking angel is doing their job with me, but I have a line demon. And so uh, um, line angel is non-existent for me, and parking angel is getting good feedback from me when I meet him. But So I'm joking, mostly. And my point is that we can become so spiritually extreme that we don't become any earthly good, or we become so consumed with the natural that we neglect the supernatural, on this other extreme, and, and it's kind of both. There, there's supernatural and there's natural. We're spiritual beings and we're physical beings, so, so we don't have to get carried away on these extremes. The Bible, Jesus, the apostles, they do share with us the ministry of angels, and they talk to us about these things, but you'll notice that the, mention, the mentioning of angels is, is kind of occasional, the appearance of angels isn't all that frequent. 
And there are specific times in history where the Bible records for us their appearance and, and their time in those biblical accounts are, are limited in, in duration. They show up for these specific periods in time for a specific purpose and then they're gone. They don't tend to physically linger around. Maybe they're still around in, in, in an invisible sort of way, but, but not physically or, or visibly. And they show up when God has a message to deliver, when God has a, a revelation to share. And God sends this angel for, to, to serve a purpose and to confirm to God's people that God wants to relay something to us, providing us a supernatural revelation through angels is a way God tells us that there is a supernatural spiritual realm. And so you look at the times of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you look at the days of the exodus from Egypt, the conquest towards the promised land, the, the early days of the prophets in the life of Daniel, the incarnation of Jesus, the temptations, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, all these occurrences that have angels in them. And then you take a look at the book of Acts when the early church's apostles were giving the revelation of Jesus Christ under persecution. And the next time we're told about angels in the New Testament is when our Lord Jesus Christ returns in all glory and majesty. Now, there's a big difference between the appearance of angels to people and the ongoing ministry of angels who fulfill the will of God. So, for example... The appearance of angels is typically related to when God is giving new revelation about his son. But the ministry of angels is this ongoing work that is typically invisible to the physical eye. So when asked if we think it's an angel that is, work in our that is at work in our lives when a particular thing happens, we, we often don't know. The work of angels do in the scripture and in history, they, they tend to be invisible. And so I just know that my parking angel is hard at work and the angel, line angel sleeping. But part of the reason their work is invisible is that we often get caught up in the wrong things. If we knew every time an angel was at work, I think our tendency would be to focus on the angel rather than the message the angel was giving. And the focus is to be on the Lord, to, to be worshiping God, not worshiping angels. So let's take a look at the scripture passage today, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit into this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So in our text this morning, we find Joseph who is betrothed to Mary. Now, during this time, betrothal was something like engagement, but um, on steroids. It's, it's more committed than just engagement. See, our, our idea of engagement has a fair amount of commitment, right? You, ex you, you give your fiance a ring, and it's usually expensive, and you start making these plans, and you start putting deposits on all these things. But betrothal is another level. Betrothal was actually binding, Legally binding. So when, when you get engaged, that's not binding. You can just kind of say, like, um, let's call it off. And then that's it, right? There's no, like, paperwork or contracts or you, get, you don't have to go to court. You don't have to do those sorts of things. And so the engaged parties, you, 
you can break up at any time, but during the time of betrothal, a couple was known as a husband and a wife, and the betrothed could only, only break up with one another if divorce papers were served, because the betrothal was binding. So then this happens. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Some really fascinating things are happening here. In Luke's gospel, Luke recorded for us this event where the angel visited the, the priest, Zechariah. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's first recorded event with an angel is here with Joseph. And so in Luke's gospel, Luke's first recorded event with an angel is with Zechariah. And even though the, these gospel writers record for us different people when writing about their first events with angels in their respective gospels, there are some similarities here. One of the similarities is that they're of the same family. Both Joseph and Zechariah have married into the same family. And these two guys married cousins, right? Mary to Joseph and Elizabeth to Zechariah. So uh, Elizabeth and Mary, they're from the same family. And some of you know this because you are either marrying into a family where like your, your wife has this cousin on that side of the family or they married into your family and, and you married into a family with lots of dysfunctions that every family does. And the people that you tend to latch onto when you go to a family event, as I do, I tend to go to my wife's cousin's husband's, because they're normal. And, <laughs> and she actually does the same, right? She goes to my family events, and my cousins I'm all like chummy with and everything, and she tends to go with my cousin's wives, and they tend to like talk to each other and say how weird we are. And that's just how it is. Now, another similarity is that both of these guys were described as righteous. Now, this doesn't mean that they were always right, but it does mean that they, they embraced God's covenant promise. That they, they knew that through the grace of God that their sins were forgiven and God welcomed them into his family. A third similarity between these, uh, these stories is, is that they received this amazing news from an angel around the same time about the miraculous announcements of their sons, right? Zechariah with John the Baptist and um, uh, Joseph with Jesus. And God saw this news as so amazing that he had to deliver this news via Angel Express. Yes, like, like angels are going to announce this one. And the news to Zechariah about having a son was amazing because he and his wife, Elizabeth, they were really advanced in years. That's, that's what the gospel tells us. And, and those, that possibility of ever having a child at this age were kind of impossible. The news to Joseph was about having a son, but this is amazing because they're betrothed and their marriage has not been consummated. So how is that even possible? So these amazing events happening here. So an angel appeared to Zechariah in person. And so here's the difference. Because the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
Now, why the difference in appearance for these two guys? Why is there one gets an in-person visit, the other one gets a dream? And if anything, shouldn't it be kind of flipped the other way around? Because isn't the story kind of bigger with Jesus than it is with John the Baptist? Shouldn't it be flipped around so that Joseph would be the one to get the actual in-person visit? And, and then wouldn't Zechariah kind of get the, you get the dream? But it, it's not the way it is. See, there's a precedence for what Zechariah went through, isn't there? Because you look at Abraham and Sarah. The precedence is they did have this miracle child in their advanced years. And Zechariah could always revert back to the scriptures to see that such a thing happened and God does work these miracles in our lives. But Joseph, he can flip all day long and not find a story like that. What Joseph went through, that is unprecedented. A virgin birth, that, that's not found in anywhere else in the scriptures. And, and why is this angel visitation to Joseph only recorded in Matthew's gospel, but it's not recorded in any of the other gospels? Well, this goes to the authenticity of the Bible. Think about music. There's an original composition by the artist, but after the original piece is composed, there are a lot of arrangements written from the original piece. And it's, it's like this with the gospel, that God has written the original masterpiece about the message of Jesus and the history of Jesus. Then Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they arrange this message of Jesus in their way to address a particular audience, to, to minister a certain way, for people to feel a certain thing, for them to kind of come from it from their perspective. So for example, John doesn't have anything written about the birth of Jesus. And when we meet Jesus incarnate, Jesus in the flesh, Jesus is a grown man. He talks about the word, but it's not Jesus incarnate. And so John doesn't tell us anything about Joseph or any of the details of the birth of Christ. There, there are no shepherds. There are no wise men. There, there is no nativity scene stuff. And so the art is all the same, and the gospel writers are all writing about the same Jesus story, but they use different mediums for their art, and they use different cadences and different rhythms, and they, they all write so, so to us differently because there are different ways, colors, shades for us to see the same beautiful, wonderful story. Have you noticed that sunsets are different, even though it's the same sun? But they're different. They're really different, and yet it happens every day. But it's really different if you sit up in the mountains versus if you're on the sand of a beach. But it's the same sun. And so it's, it, it's different even though it's the same sun. How we receive the stories about Jesus, they are beautifully different from the gospel, but it's the same sun. Matthew records the gospel for us in a different way. It's the same story, different angle, and Matthew wants us to see the wonder, the beauty of the story of Jesus in a really, really deep and profound way. When, when Matthew wrote the gospel, there was something really, really rich and deep 
happening. And you'd only receive this depth if you could connect the dots to other stories in the Bible. For example, you look at Genesis. There's a, a really deep gospel story within Matthew if you connect the dots back to Genesis. And I'm sure Matthew has a lot of deep connections. I'm not going to be able to cover them all. He's brilliant. But here's something really cool about how Matthew presents the story of Jesus to us. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. It's when God created humans. And then fast forward to Genesis chapter 2. That was really quick, yeah? And then you go to verse 18, and this is what God said. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So chapter 2, so the woman, and how did God do this? You skip down to verse 21 in chapter 2. So the Lord, caused, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out all this biotechnology and stuff like that, and God's just doing this. He's been doing this for like years. You know, this just... Now, my point is not to get caught up in medical science and how all this happened, but take a look at what Adam was doing when God performed this medical marvel, without any anesthesia, by the way. And this medical marvel to us is just nothing to God. And then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Now, what's the message in Genesis here? Well, God was doing something really, really amazing that was deeply related to Adam, while simultaneously was marvelously, gloriously, beautifully new. So that Adam would recognize that the woman was a miraculous gift to him from God. Adam didn't do a single thing to deserve this gift. God saw that need and he graciously, generously gifted Adam with this person. Do you see the connection between Adam in Genesis and Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew? Adam was asleep. Joseph was asleep. God was at work to do the miraculous, marvelous, glorious, gracious, generous, while Joseph was asleep, just as God was at work with Adam. The drama at creation being pulled off and then highlighting that to the drama of God at work in delivering Messiah to the world. Totally undeserved. We didn't do anything for it. It was a gift. Now another piece of this narrative artistry Matthew performs is the way he writes of Joseph. Because think about this. In the Jewish mind, when one speaks of Joseph... It's not Jesus' earthly father that comes to mind for the Jew. When you say Joseph, who comes to mind for the Jew? Guy with the fancy jacket, right? Colorful jacket guy? That guy. That guy comes to mind. Um, Donnie Osmond, yes. <laughs> it's, it's Joseph of, the, of Genesis. That's who comes to mind when you say Joseph. And so what is Joseph really, really known for besides his Technicolor dream coat? What, what is he really known for? Dreams. He's really known for dreams. And his dreams, they come true. Joseph's dreams also get him in a lot of trouble. 
But through Joseph's dreams in Genesis, salvation comes to the Jews, actually to the world. See, see how brilliant Matthew is. I love his arrangements of the story of Jesus, that God brings salvation to the world, that God is at work. Now, something to keep in mind about this time in history is that the people of God were, were very, very conscious that, that God had been silent for a really long time. That God had not spoken to them the way he used to speak to them for, for ages. There, there hadn't been a prophet for years, many, many years. And the literature from this period of time indicates this silence from God. God used to speak used to reveal himself in these wonderful ways through, through prophets. But for centuries, God has said nothing new to them. But those who knew their scripture, they knew that Messiah would come. They also knew God would not be silent forever. And, and, and here we have this angel who spoke to Joseph through a dream about the birth of Jesus and in the first public sermon of the Christian church by Peter, what did Peter say? We turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall dream dreams. Church history, church tradition informs us that Joseph was significantly older than Mary. And so some people reason this to be why Joseph is absent from Jesus' life during Jesus' ministry years, because he was significantly older than Mary, so he died much earlier than Mary, and therefore he's not in the story, but Mary is. So, so here we have Joseph, a much older man. Your old men shall dream dreams. And Peter there is quoting from Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And this actually has inspired me to preach through Joel sometime in 2020, later in the year, which I'm really looking forward to. But first, back to Advent. What's the message through the dream? Why, why doesn't this angel just kind of wake Joseph up and say, like, hey, I got, I got something to tell you. Wake up. I think it's because God is true to his word. That God is true to Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and that's being fulfilled, that those older men will dream dreams. And one last observation of Matthew's narrative artistry. It's, it's not in our verses this morning, but it is part of the Christmas story. You read on in Matthew, and you'll find that Herod is threatened by, by baby Jesus. And then he later orders that all baby boys are to be murdered. And so prior to this infanticide, this happened in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. 
That prophecy is found in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, if you need a reference. Now, think back to the Old Testament. And who was it that led the people out of bondage from Egypt? Moses. So Moses spoke of a leader greater than himself who would lead people out of a spiritual bondage, pointing to Jesus. And there are these many parallels between Jesus and Moses. Moses points to Jesus. You look at the Mount of Transfiguration where we find Moses, Eliza, with Jesus. And this is what God said at the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, verse 35. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. We read here that God uses angels to speak to Joseph in dreams. To hear the beautiful music of the gospel where these dreams speak to Joseph to take Mary as his wife, to not divorce her, because through this child is going to come salvation. That Joseph, you're going to be that boy's earthly father, and you're going to take him to Egypt so that he is not killed. And you're going to be his earthly guardian, and when it's time, I'll tell you when to come back. And you're going to take care of this child for the rest of your life. And Joseph, you're going to go through the ringer because of it. You're going to have a really difficult life. Now back to Joseph's and Zechariah's angel encounters. They were both told, do not fear. Do not fear. But there's a difference in the fear. Luke chapter 1 verse 12 reads this about Zechariah. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But look at the fear of Joseph here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I would argue that Joseph's fear was greater. He's getting married. That's a scary thing. Zachariah's fear was just a moment. It was just when that angel was there. But Joseph's fear, if he were to step in this direction, that's for the rest of his life. And isn't it interesting that Zechariah has this in-person encounter, but he doesn't believe the angel, even though the angel's right there telling him this stuff. Look, look at Luke chapter 20, uh, verse 20 in chapter 1. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The angel's right there in front of him and he doesn't believe. So that's why when people say like, oh, if God showed up, then maybe I'd believe. But until then, no, you wouldn't. Angel appeared right in front of Zechariah. He still, you'd be the same way. God shows up right in front of your face. You still wouldn't believe. But the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream. Tells him to do these crazy things. Uproot your family. Go to Egypt. And he does it. He believes. And he does as the angel instructed. He, he takes Mary as his wife. He took Jesus as his son. Even though it cost him Everything, his reputation, any future work opportunities, relationships with family, friends, cost him everything. Are we expectant of the Lord Jesus this Christmas? 
and do we realize what it can really cost us? Are we expectant of the Lord Jesus' return when we will receive new and special revelation of his glory and majesty with the accompaniment of many, many angels? Take a look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Will we see angels? Maybe. I don't know. But what is for sure about angels is their message. They brought this message of Jesus to Joseph. To not be afraid to take Jesus in and to take those in who belong to Jesus. And there are a lot of people afraid to respond to Jesus. But the message to Joseph is, even if it costs you everything, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to respond to Jesus. Don't be afraid to be obedient. See, angels are, are sent to be ministers to those who embrace Jesus. And they are given charge over us to bring about the Lord's will. Their goal is to see God honored and for God's will to be done. Let me just close with the last four verses from Matthew 1, or from verses 22 through 25. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, your divine plan, beautiful, wonderful, amazing, weaving us into it as just a created being. We're forever grateful. We recognize your wisdom. We recognize your grace, generosity, mercy, creativity. Thank you for our brother Matthew, who writes it in this way, weaving through all these profound kind of parallels. And I pray, God, that as we read the scriptures, that richness comes through to us during this Advent season, that we don't just read Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 2 and all these other kind of Advent accounts, but that your spirit would speak to us to reveal to us deeper truths. And so this Christmas season, as you are drawing us to respond to Jesus in a more profound way, I ask Holy Spirit, for you to direct our church in true worship in a, a way that is worthy of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name.